The Christmas Box, Chapter 11 Julia and Nathan had unloaded everything from the car, eaten lunch, and then started with decorating the house. While many of her friends back in Boston liked getting real trees for their homes, she had always been afraid of them catching on fire, so she always used a fake tree. Plus, these days, they already came pre-lit and halfway decorated straight out of the box. Nathan had been mostly quiet all morning, thinking about something. She could tell because of his wrinkled forehead and eyebrows and the telltale tilt of his head to the left. It still did something to her every time she saw a little of Andrew in Nathan. She decided to just leave things alone and let him work on it for a while. She blinked hard, seeing they had nearly finished decorating the tree for the most part, and realized that she had been thinking about something else altogether. Who was that man in Mr. Charlie's store? He seemed to be about her age. Why was he alone? What was in the boxes he was carrying? Was he single? Okay, now that question startled her. Why was she thinking about whether this man was single or not? Why was she thinking about this man at all? How ridiculous, she thought. This is like being in high school all over again. What's so funny, Mom? Why are you smiling at? Nathan asked. <clears throat> Feeling completely flushed, hot, and embarrassed, Julia quickly replied, Oh, never mind. It's nothing. Bring me that strand of green garland over there from the couch. Nathan had no idea what had just happened or why his mom was acting so strangely. But he did know one thing. This was the first time in a very long time that his mom had smiled at something. He knew he would have to thank God for whatever this was when he said his prayers tonight. As the night turned into early morning hours, Julia found that she could not sleep. For some reason, she just could not get this man out of her mind. What in the world drew her to him like this? Why was she thinking so much about him? She turned over and glanced at the clock, which was telling her it was way too late to be thinking about things like this. <clears throat> she determined to find out just who this guy was and maybe his story. She figured that Mr. Charlie would know something about him. She felt a little pang of guilt at thinking about another man, but she realized that it had been over five years since Andrew had passed, and since then, all of her time had been consumed with Nathan, the orchestra, and dealing with so much loss in her family. Could she finally be turning a corner and brighter things were on the horizon? At the very least, she tried to convince herself it would satisfy her curiosity. Dear God, please let it be so. <laughs> My heart has been breaking for way too long. A single tear dropped from the corner of her eye and onto her pillow as she drifted off to sleep with a total stranger on her mind. All the way back home, Joe thought about what Mr. Charlie had told him. There's a lady living next door who is no doubt the little boy's mother, and, he had to assume, she had been the one playing the violin. He also remembered that Mr. Charlie said she was a violinist with the Boston Philharmonic. Knowing that, he wondered if he could find out what the song was she had been playing by looking, up on, looking it up on the website. It made sense that she would be playing a piece that they would have performed at some point. He realized that he could hardly contain his excitement to get home and look up this song. But then he asked himself, is it just the song, or was he curious about the lady, too? He didn't know anything at all about her, except that she could really play a violin well, and she had a little boy who seemed pretty nice and had good manners. Mr. Charlie had said nothing about whether she was married, had a boyfriend, or was in a relationship. As he pulled into the driveway, he felt that his heart was racing. 
What in the world's wrong with me, he asked himself. He parked the truck, got out and started towards the house. And then he suddenly stopped and glanced towards the house through the woods. Of course, you couldn't see it for the trees. But he stopped long enough to listen and hear if she might be playing again. Well, that's a shame, he muttered to himself as he continued toward the house. When he put the key into the door, he realized that his hand was shaking a little bit. He just shook his head and thought how juvenile that sounded. He thought about making some lunch, but decided to just get it out of the way. So he sat at the kitchen bar with his laptop and pulled up the Boston Philharmonic website. After searching for some time, he found a listing of the songs that had been performed this past year. He then pulled up the songs he didn't know and started listening to each one, hopeful that the one he wanted to find would be in this list. As he got to the end of the list, he was disappointed to find that the song was not there. Could he have been wrong? Was this a song that she hadn't performed but was just a favorite of her own? Well, that would certainly make things harder to find out. He then imagined himself seeing her out in public somewhere, walking up to her and just blurting out, Pardon me, but could you tell me what that song was you were playing on your back porch? Oh, no, that would be something. He was about to give up the search when he saw a link for the current performance going on right now. A Christmas performance, he assumed. He thought it was probably a waste of time, as this would most likely be traditional Christmas songs being performed, but he was surprised to find that some of the music and composers were unfamiliar to him. Yeah, well, it's worth a try, he mumbled, and began searching through the songs. When he pulled up the second song, he immediately recognized the melody and was almost brought to tears at how suddenly the song grabbed him and emotionally affected him. He couldn't believe a song could have this kind of effect, but he did remember Bella had a few that she felt the same way about. He had always thought it was a little silly, but here he is, reacting exactly the same way. The exact piece by name was Cavalleria Rusticana Intermezzo by a composer named Pietro Mascagni. He found that he had to learn more about this piece, so he did an internet search to find out more. The title is Italian for Rustic Chivalry. He read that Mascagni wrote this one-act opera for a magazine competition. Part of the fascination with the story is that after he wrote it, he threw it away, thinking it was not good enough. His wife found it and turned it in, and he won the competition. The opera itself is about a young man named Turidu, who returns from serving his country to find his fiancée, Lola, has married another man. In an act of revenge, Torito seduces Santuzza, a young woman of the village. Overcome with jealousy, Lola then begins an affair with Torito. At the point everyone gathers to enter the church, Santuzza, in an act of trying to win Torito back, then tells Lola's husband about the affair. He vows to seek revenge, after church, of course, at which point Santuzza realizes what she has just done and regrets telling him about the affair. With everyone inside the church, the famous intermezzo is played. A duel ensues, and Lola's husband, Alfio, ends up killing Torito out of revenge. Joe sat there at the kitchen bar and thought about the story behind the opera. Do most operas involve such tragic events, he thought? He really didn't know, but felt saddened by this one for sure. It sounded a lot like Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet to him. He decided to get up and make some lunch. 
As he worked on a sandwich, he thought about those characters in the opera. He could understand the feelings that Torito must have felt in returning to find out his fiance had turned to another man. This was an all-too-common theme among those in the service of their country. No one ever wanted to get what was called a Dear John letter, the military euphemism of a letter from a girl back home breaking up with her soldier. Then, too, he could understand how Santuzza must have felt. First, from being used by Torito and then still loving him enough to want him back after everything he had done to her. Love sure was a powerful emotion. It could be oh so wonderful, but then, too, it could be oh so painful as well. As he sat down to eat his lunch, he looked over the website again, was about to shut it down and head outside when he noticed a link to the soloist performing this song. Now, surely this wouldn't be her, right? He thought as he clicked on the link. The computer opened another page which listed details about the performer and her accomplishments. He didn't understand what a lot of it meant, but he could clearly tell she excelled in everything she did. He scrolled down a little way, and there it was. A professional photograph of the performer posing with her violin propped up on her lap. She had long flowing blonde hair, and she was wearing the prettiest dark green dress he had ever seen. He stared at the photo for a few seconds and then brought his eyes to just below the photograph to read her name, Julia Braxton. He looked back at the photograph for a few more seconds. He realized his mouth was getting dry because it was hanging open. He shook his head, closed his mouth, and simply breathed. Holy cow. Chapter 12. Julia had been sitting at the kitchen table stirring her coffee, deep in thought. She only realized this because when she snapped out of her daydream, Nathan was standing there staring at her with his head tilted to the left. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, what? She stuttered, feeling herself blush once again. Nathan didn't say anything at first. He just stared at her for a moment with a look of curiosity on his face before saying anything. This was one time she was not interested in asking what was on his mind. I asked if we could go to Donnie's for supper tonight, he said slowly, like maybe she wouldn't understand what he was saying. Donnie's was a local favorite burger joint in the next small town over. They were good, but still couldn't match Franklinville Restaurant's burgers. Uh, yeah, sure, little bug, that's fine. Sounds pretty good to me, she quipped, trying her best to get as far away from wherever this conversation was about to go. She watched as Nathan tilted his head slightly again and then realized in an instant that this conversation, in fact, was not over. Are you okay, he asked her, slightly smiling. Yeah, sure, I'm fine. Why, why do you ask, she replied, fascinated once more at just how well he could read her. This boy is going to make an excellent husband one day, she thought. I don't know, he started, pausing long enough to purse his lips together in deep thought, and then he continued. You've been smiling a lot since yesterday, and just now you were sitting there for a long time just staring out into space, stirring your coffee, and you haven't even drunk any yet. She glanced down at her cup, and only then realized that it was still full. She was even still holding the spoon in her hand. She let go of the spoon to the audible clink it made against the wall of the cup and brought it up to take a sip, avoiding the spoon handle. The coffee was already cold. Just how long had she been sitting there staring and stirring, as Nathan had put it? Well, I guess I have a lot on my mind these days. I didn't even realize I was daydreaming like that, she offered as an excuse. <laughs> Nathan smiled and then said, Okay. 
I'm just glad it was something good you were thinking about. At least you were smiling again. I haven't seen you do that for a long time. Julia let his words soak into her and felt the care, the love, and concern that Nathan genuinely had for her. She grabbed him and just hugged him tightly while her eyes glistened over with the beginning of tears. Oh, I love you so much, little bug. I just can't believe how grown up you're already getting, she exclaimed. When she released him, he just nodded at her and said, Okay. How do you feel about some breakfast before we to, to get the day started, she asked him. As she scrambled the eggs uh, for Nathan, she was surprised to find that she was daydreaming once again. She shook her head to put the curiosity aside, but no matter what she tried, she found that she was thinking about this man more and more. I gotta get some answers before I go back crazy, she muttered to herself. The day passed along lazily while Julia busied herself unpacking a little and then working on the house some. Her dad had been very good about keeping the house up, so she realized there was not anything major to handle that she could tell, but she just wanted to get a few of the rooms painted before Christmas rolled around and things would start getting hectic again with her going back to work. It loomed over her once again that she would have to work out something or someone to look out for Nathan on days she would be late or gone performing. She had no idea where to go from here. Once again, she found herself caught up in thoughts about this strange man and realized that time had flown by to where it was now late in the afternoon. Nathan would be getting hungry soon, she thought. She put everything up and started up the stairs to get dressed, telling Nathan to get ready. They pulled out of the driveway and turned right, instead of the customary left, into town. Donnie's was in the next town over, so it was not a direction she usually drove. As she started down the road, she passed the next house down from theirs. <clears throat> she remembered it used to belong to them when they had a large farm, but her dad had sold it when he cut back the farming. She glanced at the house and noticed that it looked really nice. Better, in fact, than what she remembered it looking like when she was younger. <clears throat> she started to turn back to the road when she noticed the pickup truck beside the house in the driveway. She nearly jerked the car off the road when she realized she recognized that truck. Suddenly, her mind was flashing thoughts through her head, almost faster than she could comprehend them. Oh, my Lord, it is his truck. He is my next-door neighbor. Are you kidding me? Have we met? I mean, other than yesterday at Mr. Charlie's store. Has he noticed me? Does he even know me? She nearly screamed out before she could calm herself down. She glanced in the rearview mirror to realize those little eyes were staring right at her. You sure are acting weird these days, Mom, was all he muttered. They finished eating at Donnie's, <clears throat> and then Julia had to stop by the grocery store there for a few items. The entire time, her mind was racing about what all this could mean and wondering why in the world she was getting so anxious. Several times, she tried to convince herself that this was ridiculous and to just forget about it, but her mind was adamant about keeping the fire stoked, and it was intent on burning pretty hot, it seemed. The thoughts of the man dominated everything else in her mind. She hastily grabbed the items she needed in the store, all under the curious eyes of Nathan, who couldn't quite figure out what had happened to his mom, but he was fully entertained, curious, and certainly having fun just watching her act like this. She hastily checked off each item on the list as she placed them in the cart, went through the checkout line, and then rushed back to the car and headed back home. She couldn't believe that she was so excited to maybe get a chance to see this man was almost giggling to herself at the silliness of it all. The closer they got, the harder her heart would beat until she was nearly sweating by the time they turned on their road. 
She was breathing faster as they came up along the edge of his yard, and she had intently slowed way down to try and get the longest look she could possibly get. And wouldn't you know, as they passed by, the man walked by the window. Unexpectedly, of course, but to her immense delight anyway, and she squealed out loud in excitement. Once again, she looked up in the mirror, and there was Nathan's eyes staring at her from his slightly tilted head, and he seemed to be ready to say something this time. Oh, okay. Who are you and what did you do with my real mom? He asked, smiling. She could only burst out in laughter at all the silliness she had been experiencing all day long. It would be good to get home and put all of this behind her. At least she hoped she could contain it, or at the least calm it all down for once. Chapter 13. It was the week before Christmas, and he literally had absolutely nothing to do. He had slept in an hour later, which meant around six o'clock, but now he was leaning against the kitchen bar, sipping his coffee, wondering what he could fill his day with. All of the boxes on pre-order were done early, and he had shipped the last ones out already at Mr. Charlie's store. Mr. Charlie agreed to ship out the online orders from his store so no one would figure out where they were coming from. He could go out to the shop and certainly pre-cut some more sides, bottoms, and lids for the orders that would soon start building up again. But right now he just leaned against the counter, not really encouraged to move a muscle. Eventually he got tired of just standing there and started cleaning up around the house, sweeping a little, mopping the kitchen floor. Again, even though it really didn't need it. He had just started another load of laundry when the phone rang. His phone rang. It was such a rare thing that it really startled him. He glanced down at the screen, which confirmed what he thought already, that this was an unknown caller, and he hit the delete button. He turned back to the laundry, only to have it ring again after only a minute or two. He glanced at the screen again. Same thing, an unknown caller. But he recognized the number from a local area code, so he decided to see who it was and why they would be so persistent to speak to him. Hello, he said. There was silence on the line for a few seconds, so he spoke again. Hello? Um, oh, I'm very sorry. I apologize, but is this Joe Brower? The voice asked. He was hesitant at first to divulge whether this was really him or not, like it really mattered. They did call him, right? Yes, this is Joe Brower, he replied. Oh, my goodness. It is so good to hear your voice, Joe. This is Delilah. Delilah Kramer said the woman's voice. Joe nearly dropped the phone. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. Delilah Kramer had been Bell's best friend from school. She was the one who had been there the day he and Bell's met for the first time. Not lost to him, and quite possibly much more critical, was the fact that she <laughs> had been Gabe's fiance. It shook him to the very core, and everything he had been remembering over the past few weeks suddenly came roaring back in a flash and all at one time, nearly crushing him. At first he couldn't breathe, and his mind was racing over what to say. Um, I'm sorry, Joe. I, I just thought maybe it would be okay to call and talk for a little while. I sincerely apologize for just calling you out of the blue like this. I I'm so sorry, she said, and it sounded like she was about to hang up the phone. No, no, wait. I mean, don't hang up. Hello? Are, are you still there? He blurted out quickly. Yes, yes, I'm still here, Joe, she replied. Joe wasn't even sure why he tried to keep her from hanging up, and even now he didn't really know what to say. 
Hey, Joe, it's nearly Christmas, and I've been sitting here for several days thinking about calling you and seeing how you're doing. I really was worried about calling too soon or even not being able to track you down. I didn't know if this was still your number or not, so I got up this morning, thought about it a minute, and just decided right then and there to place the call and roll the dice, Delilah said. He hadn't heard her voice in several years, since the funeral, in fact. But she seemed to have one of those voices that just sounded the same in person as it did on the phone. The South Georgia accent really didn't disguise it either. No, no, it's it's totally okay. I, I'm just so surprised. I don't usually get a lot of phone calls, so I wasn't really prepared to jump right in, if you know what I mean. He said, hoping he didn't sound rude or mean. Oh, I totally get it. It's okay. I've just been wanting to talk, uh, be able to talk with you for a while and just see how you are and to let you know how things are going with me as well. If you're interested, I mean. Not that you're interested or anything. But just to get in touch and see how things are going is all, Delilah said. Are you at home in Savannah then, Joe asked? Oh, not anymore. I finally got a job at UNC Hospital of all places. My dream job, you know, she replied. So that's why the area code she was calling from looked familiar, Joe thought. He remembered that she had gone to nursing school right out of high school and had been constantly on the phone with Bells, trying to encourage her into going to nursing school, which had been their original plan before he came on the scene. Eventually, she did talk Bells into going to college and then graduating. Their goal was to try and end up at Carolina or Duke together. At least that was the original plan before that too was changed by unforeseeable circumstances. Oh wow, so you're not even that far from here. About two hours or so, he said. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Crazy, isn't it? She laughed. It sure is, Joe thought for a moment and then added, say Delilah, uh, would you like to come over for a visit and we can talk sometime? We can even visit Belle's grave if you'd like. Oh, Joe, I was so hoping you'd say that. I would love nothing more to get together and just visit and talk. And I'd sure love to visit Bella's grave and get a chance to chat her up. I have so much to tell her, replied Delilah. They continued to talk for about another 10 or 15 minutes and finalized plans for Delilah to come and visit on Friday when she was scheduled off at the hospital. They hung up the phone and Joe reminisced for a while on some of the old memories of all four of them together and double dating. He smiled and even laughed a few times at some of the silly things they had all done together, always laughing and just enjoying being together as they had. He glanced up at the clock and realized the day was quickly wasting away. Well, he thought at least her call had certainly kept it from being a boring day. After all, he thought to himself... <laughs>